This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's up? What's going on? Welcome into In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM as well. It is Wednesday, March the 22nd. We are brand new into spring and uh, quickly approaching the Sweet 16 and, and college basketball as we get to the kind of precipice of the season here. Uh, but Kansas State, they met with the media earlier today, as did Michigan State. Uh, Tennessee, Florida Atlantic, what have you. Um, but uh, just a little little housekeeping note. We're going to have some Kansas State audio here in just a little bit, so uh, stay tuned for that. We'll also visit with Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, in our next segment. But I've been all over social media the last couple of days, ever since we've known the, the Sweet 16 field, and so this is where I want to start the show today. I've seen people... You know, they when you have the the final sixteen, like it's become very popular to reseed teams or re rank teams from one to sixteen, or um, you know, redo your bracket and all that. Um, and then I I heard on one of the podcasts I listened to, Mark Titus show. Uh, it's part of Barstool, so credit to them for giving me this idea. Um, but Mark Titus. Played at uh, Ohio State. Well, I guess played is kind of a, a loose term. He was on the team, but he's a great personality, very insightful about college basketball. And he decided to essentially do the same thing, but to break the Sweet 16 down into tiers, like ranking the teams in Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, etc. And I thought that was a great idea. And I have some differing opinions. Um, and I think that I'm going to choose to use the first part of the show today to talk about my tier rankings of each of, of the teams remaining in the NCAA tournament field. But um, let, that's where we're going to start today. Then we've got some some a bit of breaking news, I guess, around the area. We'll talk about it. It's not life and death, so that's it can wait a little bit. It's, it's not breaking, breaking news. And uh, with social media and everything, I'm sure a lot of people have already heard about it, but we'll talk about it more in just a bit. Anyway... The Sweet 16 tier rankings, as it relates to my opinions. Your tier list may be different. Your opinions of each of these teams may be different. That's totally fine. It's my show. So here, here are my opinions today. <laughs> Starting from the bottom, we're going to start with tier four, and we're going to work our way up today. That's how I want to do this, from bottom to top. Tier four, I have broken it down. With the two, I guess you could call Florida Atlantic a Cinderella, but we'll call it, for, for lack of a better term, our two real Cinderellas here. Um, Princeton and Florida Atlantic, Princeton being the only 15 seed, and then FAU being a 9 seed. I've also got Michigan State, who's a 7 seed. Now, it just so happens that my Tier 4 um, has some of these lower-seeded teams in this section, in tier four, but it's not. I'm not breaking things down solely by the lower seeded teams being tiered lower, and you'll see why in just a second. But I just fit, feel like this is where these teams fit 
So again, Princeton, FAU, Michigan State, and San Diego State. Um, and this is is there's kind of I don't know, not a hard border between each of these tiers. I think you could mold some from three into slightly into four, um, two into three, et cetera. But the way I broke it down is I put four teams in each tier just because you got 16 teams. It's math. It works out. And for my OCD brain, it worked out better this way. But San Diego State, I have them, the number five seed, in tier four just because I don't trust their offense as much. I know... They actually had a really good offensive game against Furman um, the other day in the round of 32, but that's Furman. Uh, no disrespect to the Paladins. Um, I was a big fan of watching them beat Virginia. I thought they were great offensively. Their defense was what kind of bit them in the backside. Um, the one feather in San Diego State's cap is their defense is probably one of the best defenses still alive in the NCAA tournament. Um, so that to me, like they they are at the top of tier four. Like they're the team here that to me could break in to tier three. Um, but FAU and Princeton, like FAU, they're a bunch of winners. They've won all season long. They're lanky. They're athletic. They can score. But I just don't think they have the athletes as the rest of the field. That that said, they it would not shock me if they pulled off the upset over Tennessee here on Thursday night, but I'm, I fit them into tier four for that reason. Princeton, I'm sorry. They're in the Ivy League. They're not They're not that good. They just embarrassed Missouri, and that was hilarious for me to watch because I've never really been high on Missouri this year. I think that Dennis Gates is a great coach. I think he's going to be a really successful coach at Missouri in the near future. I just didn't think they were quite that good this year on um, that that win for Princeton over Missouri said to me a lot more about Missouri than it did about Princeton. Um, but Princeton is, a, you know, if you're coming out of the Ivy League, obviously with the record that Princeton has with, I think, just eight losses on the entire season, obviously you have to be pretty good. But they just don't have, similarly to, to FAU, they don't have the athletes of a lot of these other teams. And so I have them... Down at the bottom, the great equalizer for them, funny enough to me, is their coach and and their the way that they play because they are fantastic in making other teams play their game, right? Like when you play Princeton, they're going to to make you play Princeton basketball and and for them that that's why it, they're so successful and their head coach in Mitch Henderson is kind of the spearhead of that like I've never seen such a, a like a quality job of a low major mid-major type coach in putting his team in the best spot to be successful like that and to me that's why Princeton could win here uh, in a couple of days when they take on Creighton but we'll see I do ha- I think they're the weakest team remaining uh, for good reason being a f- 15 seed but hey uh, coaching and, and intelligence out of an Ivy League school could get you a long way. The last team I have in Tier 4 is Michigan State. Michigan State and Tom Izzo, their great equalizer is their head coach as well. Tom Izzo is Tom Izzo. He's been to 25 straight NCAA tournaments. I believe this is his 17th Sweet 16. Like, 
he is Mr. March, I guess, until proven otherwise. Um, that said, his team, for me, leaves a tad to be desired. They've already got 12 losses. They lost eight games in a very mediocre Big Ten conference this season. Matter of fact, they're the only Big Ten team remaining in the field. And that, to me, says enough as it is. They have previous losses this season to Gonzaga back in November, and that was a long time ago, and they lost by only one point, but team in the field. They also lost to Alabama, team in the field. That game was in late November as well, lost that by 11. They don't have any wins over teams currently in the tournament field, and to me that's kind of a weak point. Like, if you haven't beaten the teams that are still alive, the good teams, because everybody's good that's still here, like that to me leaves some concern. The Michigan State roster, they, you know, they're not overwhelmingly big. They do have plenty of size. They're a Big Ten team. They're strong and physical, and they shoot the three very well. But the fact that they struggled to, I don't know, put together the greatest of seasons in the Big Ten, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a, it was a down year for the Big Ten. They got a lot of teams in, but again, Michigan State is the only team in the Big Ten remaining in the tournament, and that is an indictment in and of itself. Um, and so I'm very low on the Big Ten. Therefore, with them being the last team standing, I'm low on Michigan State. That's your Tier 4. Tier 3 gets a little bit easier for me, okay? I've got Arkansas, who I think is overwhelmingly talented. I am very, very bullish about the athletes and the talent that they have on their team. Where I start to get a little wary is the talent fitting together in the proper puzzle because Arkansas has two first-round draft picks on their team. And yet, they struggled most of this season uh, to, to put together a consistent winner. They were supposed to be, you know, a top 10 team, a team that could push for a, a two seed, a one seed. And to their credit, they're winning the games that matter most, right? Like they're they're winning now. They knocked off Kansas by one point. Um, but they have 13 losses. They had a losing record in the SEC this year at 8-10. and 10. They're just, I don't know, playing well, I guess, at the right time, if you want to call it that, because they played pretty well against Illinois, beat them by 10, but I wasn't super high on Illinois either because, as you heard me a minute ago, not high on the Big Ten. But they beat Kansas by one point. Kansas didn't have Bill Self with them. If Bill Self's on the sideline in that game, I think he coaches circles around Eric Musselman. I don't think we're talking about Arkansas at all. I think they're done. But... The fact that they are here, I think it's be, they're here because of the athletes that they have. That, that said, I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to sustainably put that together moving forward. They are a Tier 3 team to me. Also a Tier 3 team for me, the Miami Hurricanes. They have some of the most talented guards in the country right now. Nigel Pack, old friend alert. They've got... Jordan Miller, Isaiah Wong, other talent, like ton, tons of talented players, much like Arkansas, right? And yet, Miami, I don't know. They just they leave a little bit to be desired. They're twenty-seven and seven, so you'd think, hey, that's a really good team. But 
their defense to me at times is not great. They play pretty well against a, a soft Indiana team on Sunday night to move on. But they have some, some, I don't know, something's missing. Something's not quite hitting there for me. And that's why I have Miami in Tier 3. I feel similarly about Xavier out of the Big East. I think they're incredibly talented um, around the entire roster. But to me, coming out of the Big East, they're not the best team still in the field from the Big East. And I, I'm, I think very highly of the Big East. But as a matter of fact, I think they're actually the worst team remaining of the three Big East teams. So I have them in Tier 3. I also have Kansas State in Tier 3 right now because K-State, they have all of the guard play. You're stencing a theme, I'm sure. I'm, I'm very high on K-State's players. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to sustain what they did over the weekend. Scoring well, defending pretty well, holding up with physical uh, opponents, and, and you know they got out-rebounded overwhelmingly by Kentucky, but they just made shots when it counted and, and made Kentucky struggle from the floor as well. But I'm not sure that K-State's going to be able to prolong that. So I have K-State in Tier 3 as well. Tier 2, this it starts to get a lot easier because you're getting to the better teams. Tier 2 for me, made up of Tennessee, UCLA, Gonzaga, and Creighton. Now UCLA and Tennessee, for me, they would be Tier 1 teams if it wasn't for the injury bug. Both teams have been bitten, losing their starting point guards, basically, uh, to season-ending injuries over the last couple of weeks. And although they've both played perfectly well and, and never really been in all that much danger over the first weekend, I don't know that they're going to be able to push through even further than this uh, because of the question marks surrounding the injuries. And as a matter of fact, UCLA tacked on a couple of other Seemingly small injuries, but injuries nonetheless over the weekend. So I'm even less high on them now than previously. But if, if you've been listening to this show long, back in like early January, they were my long shot pick to win it all. So I think they perfectly are talented. They like they have enough talent to win it all. I just don't think with their injuries it's enough. And the same could be said about Tennessee. Gonzaga and Creighton are two teams to me that had some struggles throughout the season. But I'm telling you, they're they're figuring it out. Gonzaga has Drew Timmy, who might be one of the best players, if not the best player left in the tournament field. And he's been there and done that with Gonzaga teams that have made deep runs before. If you've got a leader like that, you're going to be just fine. Creighton was a top 10 preseason team, and they played like it up until about December. And at one point, they lost six straight games this year, and so they dropped completely out of the top 25 poll. People were wondering what was going on there in Omaha. Well, all of a sudden, they're getting healthier. They're figuring things out, and they look like one of the best teams in the field, despite being a six seed. I think Creighton could push for a top-tier spot. And my top four, these are the four teams that I think will win the national championship. The four best chances to win it all. Number one overall seed, Alabama, obviously. They looked every bit like the number one overall seed over the weekend. Despite trailing at halftime against Auburn, 
They blew them out in the second half. Uh, they are joined by the Texas Longhorns, who, if you would ask me in December, I would have said there's absolutely no chance that they can do what they've done. <laughs> win games, look as good as they've looked, push to the Sweet 16 and beyond, and now I think they can win it all. They're a two-seed. I like the way that things are sitting for them. They have a bit of a challenging other half of their, their region, uh, with Miami being there and Houston being there, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. So Bama... In Texas. Then I have UConn, who's another team that has all of the talent in the world, but had some midseason struggles. I think they lost six out of nine at one point from December to January. Since then, they've figured it out. And when they are playing at their best, like what they did against Iona and what they did against St. Mary's, they can be the best team in the country. So they are a tier one team to me, despite being, you know, the four seed in the West bracket. And the last Tier 1 team, which to me is closer to Tier 2 than Tier 1, is Houston. And also, if you've listened to this show all season, you've known that I am not that high on the Houston Cougars. I do think they have talent. I think they have a great coach in Kelvin Sampson. But Marcus Sasser's been a little bit banged up. Shed's been a little banged up. The injuries give me pause, and their lack of competition faced throughout the course of the season worries me as well. They won 30-plus games, so obviously they're good. But their best wins coming into the tournament were Virginia back in, like, November and St. Mary's. They haven't – outside of that, they have, like, no quality victories. They weren't even really pushed that often – in their conference. They lost by one point at home to Temple, which is concerning because that's a bad team. But to be a good team in March, you need to know what it takes to win against the best teams, and I don't think Houston has that. So keep that in mind as well. Those are your tiers as it relates to my opinion as we head into the Sweet 16. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll visit with the Wyatt Thompson, the Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. He's going to join us live from New York City, talking K-State basketball as they prepare to take on the Michigan State Spartans. That is up next here on In the Zone on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. To in the zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL today. Jackson Schneider joined now by the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. And Wyatt is coming to us live from New York City. The Wildcats made their way to the Big Apple this time for the Sweet 16 as they take on the Michigan State Spartans tomorrow. But Wyatt, uh, have you enjoyed your travels? I bet you're you're probably enjoying it just about as much as anybody considering why you're there. Well, that's absolutely well said. I, I'm good to be on with you, Jackson. I, it's really an interesting thing because the the first win against Montana State was was a lot of fun. Clearly, the game against Kentucky was awesome, and such a quick turnaround. You get home late Sunday night, and then Tuesday morning you're leaving again. <laughs> so I've, I enjoyed Greensboro. I know I'm going to enjoy New York half to, up to this point. Uh, but you also have to, you know, get prepared and do the games. But it's, you know, all in all, it's been a boatload of fun watching and covering this team, man. No doubt about that. 
Well, let's let's go back to Sunday because that was one of the more thrilling games I remember watching in a very, very long time. And it wasn't, honestly, the prettiest of games for K-State, especially in the first half. They were 0 of 12 from three-point range and were really struggling to shoot the basketball, but they had defended well enough and found other ways to score. And lo and behold, despite all those struggles shooting, they were winning at halftime and found a way to knock off the Blue Blood Kentucky Wildcats. That Tell me your perspective on Sunday's contest because that was a thriller. Well, I would probably hearken back to doing a couple of pregame interviews and, and specifically with the assistant coach that had the scout on Kentucky, Rodney Perry, who's done such a great job um, this year with K-State. And in talking to him, he said, look, Oscar Shibway is going to get his. You know, it may be 25 and 20, it may be 15 and 15, but he's just going to get his most of the time what we have to do is guard those other guys and really make it hard for them. And if you look at the box score, that's kind of how it, it played out. They did a good job on Toppin and other guys. And for me, that was one of the real keys. K-State didn't start the ball game shooting it very well or play great offense, you know, to begin the game, uh, but yet found a way to be up at halftime by three. Then what happens? <laughs> you have an early 13 to nothing run in the second half by Kentucky. And now all of a sudden, at least this is me sitting there courtside going, Oh man, we had our shot. (laughs) Well, you don't give up on this bunch, man. They just keep fighting and uh, they got back in it. And with the game on the line late, you know, they, they made uh, three big time threes there late in the game. One from Marquise, one from Ish and one from Keontae Johnson. I loved them all, but I, I, I think I've seen the Keontae step back maybe 50 times on tape and it's fun to watch if you haven't done so i I encourage you to do it (laughs) it was a heck of a win man i guess a really good team and a good program absolutely it was and it was really impressive to me the performance that marquise noel put together especially in that second half he finishes the game with 27 points and nine assists to go along with what three steals and everything else that he was doing in in that contest lobbing passes up for alley-oops or going behind the back leading to dunks he did just about everything right and this kid's starting to catch on nationwide now everybody's noticing how much of a special player he is yeah and I think we've known for a while that he is a difference making type of player when things are good and and uh, he's playing at optimum level I've said for a while now that he he makes plays that other guys just can't Will he make a mistake or two every now and again? Of course, but who doesn't? But I love his toughness. I love his flair. Um, and he – go back and watch that second half. He is rolling now. And you described it well. Lobs, you know, behind the back pass, uh, a really hard three over Oscar Shibway, another one late in the game. I mean, he uh, foul line shots. He's just been superb all year long. And you know, as he goes, I think K-State goes more times than not. He, he's a special talent. He is, and, and I was very impressed. I learned this after the game. Uh, Fran Fraschilla actually tweeted it out because he, he was obviously kind of rooting for the Big 12 considering he covers the, their games all the time, but he had posted about Marquise Noel after the game because he had made all the clutch free throws, and he had said that, 
after five the five minute mark in the second half this year in in free throw situations late game Marquis Noel I, I think has missed three or four free throws in total the entire season and he just yeah. hit shot after shot to help K-State ice the game late against Kentucky as well but is that do they practice that I you're around the team more than I do but clutch free throws seem to yeah. be one of the most important aspects of the game and and clearly K-State's done well with it yeah, they definitely practice it. And and I think they try to do it too in in different phases and and spots in their practices. Um uh, and and there there's a little bit of they try to add as much pressure on them as you can possibly do in, in a practice setting, right? Yeah. But um I I think it's obvious with, with Marquise. I mean, he's been knocking on, you know, 88, 89% all year long, 87 somewhere along in there and um he's just you know, he again. He is one of those guys that played in games. He wants to be the guy, and more times than not, has been the guy. Whether it's at the foul line or making another play, and I think that's part of why K State is is still playing, and many others are home because when you put him with with Keontae and then some of the other guys, we haven't even talked about Naquan Tomlin. His first half against Kentucky on Saturday or on Sunday rather was about as good as I've seen him play a half of basketball this year and that's a mouthful because he's he's been really good and you know desi and you can go on and on and on it, it, it's a it's a good team and it's a competent team and and one that uh, is pretty entertaining to watch when when they're hitting on all cylinders well certainly confidence it comes from the top and teams will kind of emulate the the confidence in their leader and jerome tang has certainly been very confident in this bunch year round but he kind of he he Got a little buzz, we'll say, after the game for his response to a question about beating a program like Kentucky and saying that, you know, it's about having dudes and that the guys in the past don't matter. It's about the guys you've got on the floor now and that we had more dudes than they did. And and some folks, particularly Kentucky fans, didn't take so kindly to that. But it, to me, showed his confidence in the group of guys that he's got in this situation. And I'm starting to think that that confidence is certainly shining through the rest of the guys on the floor. Well, from my perspective, you couldn't have said that any better because that's what this is at the end of the day. I, I remember being in their walkthrough the morning of the game, and they did a little walkthrough. They did a film session and so on and so forth. And, and basically, that was the message. Look, we're not playing the Kentucky that has won national championships. And no disrespect, this is a good team they have. But don't worry about the numbers, just like Montana State. He, he, he said, if you you worry about Montana State being a 14 seed and worth three, uh, you're making a mistake. And it was the same thing for Kentucky. Kentucky was favored in the game, man. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And I, at the end of the day, those kind of things don't matter. It's what you – you know, Bill Snyder taught us a lot of things, right? Keep the game between the white lines. How many times did you hear him say that, Jackson? <laughs> Probably Thousands, more right? than I could count, yeah. <laughs> Well, th that's kind of what this is, in my mind. He is a supremely competent coach. He has given confidence to this group, and they have grown with that. Uh, I think they feel like they're as tough as anybody and they're as good as anybody when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, whether it's Kentucky, Kansas, Texas, Baylor, uh, and we've beaten all those teams. I, I guess that's the whole point. 
And well, K-State's going to get a good test from, I guess, Mr. March, right? Tom Izzo coming up tomorrow yeah. night. K-State taking on Michigan State, a seven seed that has worked their way into the Sweet 16 after beating the number two seed Marquette Golden Eagles and, and Shaka Smart. But, Wyatt, in your preparations, what stands out to you about Michigan State and what do we need to be kind of on alert for come tip-off tomorrow night? Well, I think you start with the with the man at the top, much like you do with K-State. Tom Izzo has been doing it a long, long time. He's really good at what he does. Um, he, he's always been able to put together a representative team that is playing its best basketball late. It's amazing to me how many times over the course of the time he's been in East Lansing that they've been to this level, meaning the Sweet 16 and or beyond. And, and we know what he's done. He's had great players there. This is probably a little bit of a, a team that's flown under the radar because they did lose some hard games early, you know, uh, but they've also played a really good schedule. And one thing that you think about with them is, is obviously with Izzo, the toughness and the defense and the rebounding and, you know, those kind of things. But this team is also really good at shooting the ball. Um, nearly 39% is a team from three. That's excellent. They have good pieces. Uh, so this will be a challenge for K-State to, to guard them. And you, you have to hope you catch them on a day where either you're athletic and long enough to bother those three-point shots, or maybe they're off just a tick. And we'll see. I think K-State's athletic enough to guard them most of the time. They're going to make a few. That's just the nature of it. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Well, it'll be fun to watch because of, of that tactically, but there's some extra motives, I guess, uh, for a lot of the K-State guys making the return to New York City and Madison Square Garden. I mean, K-State's got, what, four or five guys from the New York area on the roster, so it's kind yeah. of a, a homecoming of sorts. Have you you heard any of the guys kind of talk about their excitement for playing in Madison Square Garden and playing in New York City? One of the coolest things that I've experienced in my time at K-State was last Sunday after K-State beat Kentucky and Kenny Lanou from our media relations staff bringing Ish Masood over to Stan and I to, to visit with him on the radio. And there was so much emotion in his face and tears in his eyes because of the euphoria of beating Kentucky, but also knowing A, they're going to the Sweet 16 and B, he's going home to do it. Um, He's one of four. He's from East Harlem. Um, you, you look at Tyke Green from Queens, Marquise, of course, from Harlem, and uh, Naquan from, from the city here, New York, New York. And um, so happy for all of them. I, I, <laughs> Stan and I are pretty lucky following this team around, and we, we've had a chance to, to visit with all of those kids a little bit about what it means and, you know, just asking them, you know, how far is your home from, from where we're staying and so on and so forth. And it's really cool that um, – you know, those guys have, are going to experience playing in the garden because when you're from here, it, it's hard for me to explain it. I'm just telling you kind of through them, uh, you grow up here, you know, dreaming that you're a Nick or whatever and you're, you're playing at, at MSG and um, that, that dream's going to come true for those guys tomorrow night. It absolutely is. I'm, I've never been really to that area of New York. I've been in New York City, I think, for approximately like nine hours waiting on flights, <laughs> actually. So that's my experience of New York. But uh, for the guys that, that call it home, does that mean they're going to have 
bit of a home court advantage? Are they going to have fans, family members, uh, relatives, high school friends in yeah. attendance? Oh yeah, they'll, they'll have a lot of that. I, I visited with Marquise this morning, as a matter of fact, and you know his, his dad and brother and, and other family members will be at the game, and and, and same for the other guys. Um, I'll tell you a really quick story about the K State brand. Uh, Stan and Ben and I are walking to walking down the street. Uh, we're we're pretty close where we're staying at, at, to Times Square, and we were going to uh, actually we're going to a play, which was spectacular, by the way, and. Anyway, we run into this group of kids, and one of the kids uh, noticed uh, the power cat uh, on our gear, and he he said, "Oh, Kansas State," and we got to talking about them. You want to know where they were from? London. Really? How about that? <laughs> and one of the kids said to me, "I've got K State in my bracket." <laughs> so, well, good. I think that's pretty cool. Everybody kind of knows what K State is these days, and that's awesome. That, that is awesome. It's a smart kid too, because I like K State's chances, especially with how they're playing right now. But Wyatt, uh, before we let you go, because I know you got interviews stacked up all day today in preparation for tomorrow night. What would you say is the biggest factor for Kansas State heading into this matchup with Michigan State and trying to preserve their season and move on to the Elite Eight? Well, handling the moment, I think, is where you start. Um, you have to be really pumped up, but, you know, you, you also have to play, you know, your game. And Coach Tang says this all the time, be who you are. Play with passion, play with toughness, play fast. But, you know, there's you, you have to play at the right speed of fast. Remember when they were struggling a little bit, he talked about trying to hit grand slams instead of just singles and doubles. Um, and, and, and so value the ball, uh, run good offense, and and when you can get an occasional fast break bucket, do it. Uh, just just be quality. And if you are, you give yourself a chance to to not only be in the game but beat a really good team. There, you get to this point, man. You're talking about the top, you know, 15, 16 teams in the country. Um, and there are a few exceptions. You know, Kansas out. You know, Purdue and those teams have been top 15 teams all year. So, but but being to this point, there, there's a reason why these teams are here, and there's not a lot of separation. So you've got to be good, and you've got to be on your game, I think is, it would be my message. I, certainly, I, I would agree. I mean, with it being the Sweet 16, I don't think seeding matters. I don't think any of that is relevant at this point because everybody's good getting there for a reason, and certainly K-State will have their work cut out for them. But I have a good feeling, Wyatt. I don't know that you should count on it, but hey, my gut has been good over the last few days, at least. So we'll we'll count on that. Well, it's I guess been a, it's, it's been a heck of a run. You you know that Jackson, and I I think the guys are really really excited about what they've accomplished. But when you talk to them to a man, they you know they're not ready to be done yet, and so that can be motivating too. Again, it goes into you know lots of preparation. They've had a boatload of fun, but you still have to do all of the things to put yourself in a position to to be able to, you know, take the game plan to the floor or to the practice floor and then to the game floor and execute. And I think we're kind of down to, as we talk, you know, that's kind of what it is now. They'll, they'll have a uh, practice today and then uh, game day tomorrow, and here we go. All right. Well, Wyatt, quickly, the, the last thing I have, I can't, I can't gloss over this. It's Madison Square Garden, and I'm, I'm fairly sure it's not your first time there, but where does it rank in terms of places that you've gotten to broadcast games? 
Well, it'd be in the upper 5% for sure. Um, I think this is the third time I'll have done gamer games in Madison Square Garden. We were here one time for the Pinstripe Bowl. You might remember that. You're young, but a lot of people would remember it listening to your show today. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's an honor to be here, man. It's 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 uh, one of the more interesting places in the world, uh, New York City, and with the garden and its history, um, it, it's uh, you're, you're honored to be a part of it. And with K-State, I'm honored to be a part of even if it's a small part of, of what these guys have done, it's been so, so, so much fun watching them from last spring to, to where they are now and what they've accomplished. And I think all K-Staters are thrilled beyond belief and, and beyond words at times. Well, it's I've run out of words and we've run out of time because you got to get rolling to your next <laughs> interview. But, hey, Wyatt, thank you so much for the time joining us all the way from New York City. Have a great call tomorrow and good luck to the Cats. Well, thank you, partner. Good talking to you, Jackson. Go Cats. All right. Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, joins us every Wednesday on the show, courtesy of Robson Oil Company in Abilene, serving central Kansas since 1924, providing the area with high-quality oil and fuel for both farm and commercial customers. We'll take a quick time out and be back to wrap up the show right after this here on In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL, 106.7 on the FM dial as well. Uh, Big thanks to Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, for joining us to preview K-State and Michigan State tomorrow. Uh, That game will start at about uh, 5.40 here local time, so we will not have a show. Our K-State coverage will kick in at about 4.30 p.m. here, Uh, and then again tip off being that early. We will not get a show, so you'll get uh, about uh, two days' worth of a break from me. Congratulations to you all. But, uh, yeah, excited for that. Excited, uh, especially now that we've gotten to speak with Wyatt. It kind of fired me up, got me excited, because it sounded like he was really excited for K-State. But uh, some other big basketball news to get to here as we uh, close out the show today. Uh, Breaking news out of Wichita State. The news broke uh, a little bit late last night, around midnight, 11 o'clock, but it became official earlier this morning. Uh, the Wichita State Shockers will introduce Paul Mills as its 27th headman's basketball coach. They'll make it official tomorrow at 3.30 inside of Charles Cook Arena. Uh, Mills has been the head coach at Oral Roberts over the past six seasons, and Oral Roberts has been to the NCAA NCAA tournament two out of the last three years, including in 2021, they were the darling Cinderella. They won uh, twice as a 15 seed and went to the Sweet 16. And this year, he coached Oral Roberts to 30 and five. They went undefeated in the Summit League at 18 and 0. They were a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, and they just ran into the buzzsaw that is the Duke Blue Devils. But Paul Mills is a great coach. He's done great things. And I don't know if you're all that familiar with Oral Roberts, but it is not easy to win at a place like that, okay? Good coaches that can win at Oral Roberts go do big things, okay? Big, big things. Keep that in mind, okay? But prior to being at Oral Roberts, Paul Mills was an associate head coach, an assistant uh, under Scott Drew at Baylor for 14 years. He was there the entire time, basically, until he took the job at Oral Roberts uh, alongside Scott Drew and alongside Jerome Tang. 
funny enough, who met with the media, Jerome Tang did, and he was even asked about his relationship and his opinion about Paul Mills. So here he is, Jerome Tang, his thoughts on Wichita State hiring Oral Roberts head coach Paul Mills. Brandon Zender, KWCH in Wichita. Coach, you spent a number of years with Paul Mills at Baylor, and you didn't take time, you didn't waste time going to social media and uh, giving him praise. Just what were your takeaways of your time with him, um, and what makes him, you know, he's going to be successful uh, with the Shockers? Yeah, well, I I absolutely love Paul Mills. Um, he's like a brother to me, and uh, so so happy for him and his family, for Wendy and the girls and. He's going to be incredible because he is passionate about young people and about developing young men. And there's no, like, there's no throttle, like, hold back governor on him in his love for what, what he pours into his guys. And so, yeah, he, he attracts, you know, we always, he, he's the one that told me, he said, you know, Tang, tens hang with tens and one hangs with one. And he's a ten and he's going to have some tens around him. Personally, I would say that's a good endorsement, right? Considering what Jerome Tang has done this year in his first season as a head coach and what he and Paul Mills and Scott Drew all accomplished together, uh, turning Baylor from what was the most embarrassing, disaster-ridden, you know, pile of dog crap, right, that it was in the early 2000s, into what it is now, which is one of the year-in, year-out favorites in the Big 12 Conference. They won a national championship two years ago, uh, or what, three, I guess, three tournaments ago now, technically speaking, if you count this year. The point is, pretty good track record at this point going on former Baylor assistants in the Scott Drew coaching tree and when Jerome Tang is having the success that he's having this year and he endorses Paul Mills. Shockers should feel pretty good. I'm feeling good about it. I thought they were going to try and and coerce Chris Jans away from Mississippi State, but I also thought that was a pretty tough sell considering Chris Jans made the jump to a power program, a power conference program, I should say. There's no reason to believe he can't succeed at Mississippi State. They made it into the first four this year in the NCAA tournament, so in his first season, the things are going pretty well, but I think... This is a guy that's going to be really invested in elevating Wichita State back to the heights that Shocker fans know and love and expect over the past several years. So to me, very exciting hire for the Shockers and Kevin Saul, the athletic director there at Wichita State. Other breaking news coming from an in-state basketball program today. The Kansas Jayhawks have now seen a total of three players enter the transfer portal as... uh, They have seen Cam Martin enter the transfer portal. That was made official on Monday. Uh, Martin didn't play a whole ton ton at all. He sat all of last year in the national title run with an injury, so he didn't play. Um, Was a transfer from Missouri Southern. Averaged like 28 a game at D2. jumps, Jumps up to KU and very rarely saw playing time at all. Not a surprise that he would go and try to play out the rest of his career at a program where he can see... A lot of action. Uh, the two additions coming today 
include Bobby Pettiford, who was one of the first guards off the bench for Bill Self's team this year, although didn't quite fit what they were needing from the guard position, at least in a reserve role this year or in the last couple of years, to be honest with you. So not a huge shock there either. Uh, but Zach Clements, uh, to me, this was the one that was very important for Kansas because Zach Clements had a lot of, of potential as a post, but he has not met that potential as a young kid. Uh, Kansas needs a reliable post presence to be developed quickly. They played this entire year without a true center, and they did okay, obviously, being a one seed and winning the Big 12 regular season title, but they got to find somebody that can you know, really go down low, be a true big man, a force underneath, not so much the stretch 3-4 kind of guy that Zach Clements was. Uh, so also, not all that surprising, but Kansas freeing up a couple of spots to potentially hit the transfer portal and bring in some new guys for next year and try to rebuild, reload uh, all the great things that Kansas does. So that's your show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed my soapbox rant about the tiering of the Sweet 16 teams. Again, uh, as a reminder, no show tomorrow for us here on In the Zone as we will have K-State basketball. Uh, pre-game show will begin at 4.30. Tip-off right around 5.40 here on 11.50 KSAL and 106.7 FM. But, again, big thanks to Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the K-State Wildcats, for joining us today. On Friday when we're back, we'll visit with Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, and wrap up the basketball season for the Crimson and the Blue. But, uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jackson Schneider. This has been In the Zone on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.